Welcome to the Beer Guys Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining us. Always good to have you here with us. We're enjoying some beers, hanging out, just having an all-around good time. So many hot topics. There's always so much happening in beer. So, plenty to talk about. I am Tim Dennis. Ryan Hewitt, how you doing? I'm doing good, Tim. I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, there's a ton to talk about this week. We've got a, a scandal at Tsingdao uh, Brewery in uh, China. We've got a scary new study about non-alcoholic beer. We've got another story about morality in beer, and we've got some beers that are, I guess, rising from the grave or returning from, I don't know, the spirits of Christmas past. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the, the phrase is for that, but uh, a lot more. And we also have Mo Mike Nate. How you doing, Mo Mike Nate? Doing well. Excited to have my favorite Night of the week to talk beer with you boys. It's always a good time. So I know that we don't, we don't, we do want to, but we try not to talk about Atlanta, you know, too much. And but, uh, so, but that is our backyard. It was an interesting week in Atlanta. Have you guys heard of this TikTok food reviewer, Keith Lee? Yes. I okay. had not until it became news and you told me about it today or this week. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, he's been all over the news. He got Cardi B talking about the Atlanta food yeah. scene, but uh, yeah, yeah, you're you're following it real close, right, Tim? You you've so, been a fan for a while, haven't you? So I had seen these videos. I wouldn't even call my me a fan. I was just aware the guy existed, and I kind of liked a few of the videos I watched. He's pretty chill about it. He's you know he's not flashy with the way he reviews. He doesn't get loud and obnoxious like a lot of folks. He's more like, hey, I went here. And this is, and he'll eat the food on camera and give his opinion like real time. And it's super chill. I kind of like these delivery methods. Seems pretty authentic. But I had no idea how big this guy was because he came through Atlanta and he hit a few different places. And then he posted these videos. And after he left is when the firestorm really hit because one of the biggest complaints he had in Atlanta is that customer service is lacking. And they, he said, no place here lets you do a call in order. And uh, apparently in the restaurant business, most people know this guy. So he likes to call in an order and then have his family pick it up so they don't recognize him and try and give him special treatment. But he's like, we, we couldn't do that. So there was one place that he went to that they said they were closed, but it was an hour before their posted close time. They told him to order on DoorDash. DoorDash said they were closed. So they went in there. And the place said we're closed for a deep cleaning like an hour before closing. So he posted a video talking about his experience there and folks just lost their minds. Like, and he wasn't rude about it. He's just like, look, I'm not trying to start problems. I'm just saying this is, we went here and this was our experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyhow, not that, but all of Atlanta's social media and the food thing has been talking about it. They're like, forget about the Michelin guide. It's all about Keith Lee here. So uh, I, I just think it's insane that one person can have that kind of effect. I mean, and then the, the places that he reviewed were posting videos after he reviewed them positively about how packed they were. And uh, it was crazy. We should do that with breweries where we should just go out and he reviews the food in his car. So we'll drink and drive. We'll, we'll grab a <laughs> couple of beers that in the car and give our, you know, our, our quick on the spot review of these breweries. See how it works out for us. We need somebody to come along with us because I don't think either one of us can go in and grab the beers. And uh, I don't know if the takeout service is, is something that breweries really do these days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not really. But that's right. an interesting idea. We'll figure it out. We'll figure He's it got out. 14 million followers, and I think I figured out how it all works. I didn't know about the guy before this week at all. Uh, I think it's probably because he's a TikTok guy and I'm not on TikTok at all, but yeah. he was a former MMA guy. So I think he may have that. people yeah. that follow him from that. Like, oh, right. I like this guy. And oh, I like how he how he his approach to food. So, yeah, it seemed he seems like a, a, a solid dude, you know? Yeah. yeah, I heard that he did. I think it was nine videos in Atlanta and the combination of them got 81 million views like over oh, the weekend. Wow. So, oh, yeah, geez. crazy stuff. But a little more appropriate to Beer Guys Radio. Brian, there's beers that are are coming back, returning seasonals, beers that have been said they were never coming back again. Some that we only see, I think it's like an eclipse every four to seven years or something like that. But uh, the big ones right now, uh, Sam Adams Utopias, which fair warning, you're going to see articles everywhere talking about how it's banned in what is it, 15 states? 15 states. Illegal in 15 states and all that. That's the... Every year when it comes out, and it's, I think that's every other year, isn't it? 
that it's uh, I don't think it's yearly. I think it's every other that they I think, this one. Yeah, it's something like that. And I th- it, yeah, I think the last time it was 2021 was the previous release okay. of it, which would be okay. So that would make sense. Yeah. And I had a bottle. Uh, I, I've got a background, so you can't see it. I've got the empty bottle over there, but I had, I think, a 2019, maybe 2017, 2019, somewhere in there. But uh, another one is coming back around. What do you, Nate, have you had Utopias? I had some of your bottle of Utopias. You did. I didn't know if you got, okay, got so. What, what are your thoughts on Utopias? So I was actually kind of impressed with it because you guys, you cracked it open for Thanksgiving with Brian and his wife. And so I didn't get a chance to try it until the Wednesday after Thanksgiving. And it still had like a really nice, rich, viscous mouthfeel to it uh, with great flavor. I was, even though it was six days uh, after being cracked, I still was very impressed with it. I, I think it was older think than it was that. probably like two years after being cracked, two oh, or three okay. years. Yeah. Cause it's, it does keep, you know, it keeps like a spirit, it doesn't oxidize the same as. And that's one thing that a lot of people, you know, they think it's a beer. And Mm -hmm. technically, I guess, technically with the methods they use, it's a beer. But it's much more like uh, people have said like a port or a, Mm -hmm. you know, a sherry, something along those lines. Brian, what are your thoughts on Utopias? I like it. And uh, I kind of wish that I had 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 sprung on the opportunity. I think I had this about the same opportunity you did to buy a bottle and I didn't. And uh, I think that was back when it was about a hundred bucks, maybe a bottle or even maybe less. I don't remember. So the, the trick was we had a friend in Canada and yeah. the stores in Canada, the price they sold it for was equivalent to about $75 US. We're in the US, it's like 250 to 300. So I actually, yeah. when I saw you mentioned that it was back, I thought about reaching out to our buddy again and being like, Hey, you know, do they, do they have this up there again? Because it's seriously like a third of the price of what you pay for it in the US. I would definitely be game for it, especially at a third of a price. And I, I thought I was really tempted. I saw it one time online for three hundred, and that is way more than I would spend on even most bottles of even spirits. So I, I, I didn't buy it then either because I'm like three hundred's a lot. I just it's just a lot. It's hard to justify. It is really good. I do very much like it. The MSRP in the article I saw or the press release was it's supposed to be two hundred and forty US dollars. So okay. the three hundred yeah. is still a markup from what it's supposed to be, but given what it is, I don't expect I don't expect to ever see it for just MSRP. So mm-hmm. yeah, if, it's, if if you found it an MSRP, do you think it's something that's worth the cost of admission? Let's say you've never had it before, you know what it is, you know what to expect. Is it something that if you had the the funds to splurge on something like that, would it be worth the splurge? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Not specifically for me to drink, though. I knowing roughly what it is, even if it's it's a, different from time to time. I know it'll be good. I know it'll enjoy. It. I know it keeps. But more, it's more for a social drink. It's something you bring out when people come over, and you pour everybody a little cordial glass of it, and like, oh, hey, I get to try it, woo! And then you put it back, and you can do it over and over again. So yeah. yes, but not as a just me drink. It would be mm-hmm. a special occasion. reoccurring thing so yes i would do it would you buy it at 240 Uh, or 300 tim so yes i will i really enjoyed it and like his i'll admit i enjoyed having a bottle to share with other people it was not i do think it's fun i do still enjoy sharing things with people that they've never had before something that's a little bit of a i'm not sure you'd quite call that a white well a well definitely i think uh, but it is one that a lot of people don't get their hands on. So it was cool to have that shared. And Nate talking, I was just thinking about the timeline. I shared that with the Nappy Roots guys not long after we met them. And we've known them over five years now. And I'd say probably two or three months after we met them, they invited Aaron and I back in the day to be on their Nappy Hour podcast. And we did a bottle share with them. And I took the Utopias there and shared that with them. So uh, that was... um uh, that was 2018 ish, Nate. So my mm. bottle must have been like a 2017 bottle somewhere. I think so. So, but, uh, but yeah, so it's cool. You know, you get to do that. I brought it to the studio several times and, you know, shared that around. It made me think of the one our, uh, um, our buddy Anthony's story when he brought the red breast. Is it 27? Mm. I think 27. Yeah. Yes. But you know, this yeah. came in a lacquer box with a nice presentation. I mean, 
this is $600 bottle of whiskey. You know, it's not one that a lot of people are going to get a chance to get. So just having a small pour of it, it is an experience there. So, you know, pretty cool. And that was fantastic. So I was tempted to get, grab a bottle one time when I saw it, but then I realized that I shouldn't spend $600 on a bottle of whiskey. So, you know, the thing is, is being able to do something and it being sensible to do it are two different things. Like he got that for a wedding gift, which is a perfect time to mm-hmm. splurge that on it. But uh, yes. there's not enough zeros on the end of my annual income to be buying $600 bottles of whiskey. So I was in the same boat. I was so yeah. tempted. I'm like, I can technically do this. I, I can do this. Yeah, I, I can make this happen. I could buy this. I couldn't. I could. I actually could not bring myself to to pull the trigger. I couldn't do yeah. it. I uh, yeah, it was weird. It, it was like it's right there. I know how good it is. I've had it. I really want yeah. it, and I would drink it. Yeah. I, I would drink it on the occasion, a special occasion. I couldn't do it. I couldn't bring myself to do it. It hit a threshold where I'm like, this is too, the pain's too high. Yeah. So, yeah. And that I really, wasn't even knowing how good it was. Yeah. So, yeah. What's yeah. That I, really, I, I said, I really tried. I, I found it in a liquor store over in the Snowville area for Brian and even yeah. sent him the information and said, Hey, it's right here. This is the price point. Yeah. Uh, looking at the numbers for Utopias, uh, this year's varietal, uh, this year's release is 28% ABV and it gets released in a 25.4 ounce custom bottle. Yeah, and Tim, you're correct. It is released every other year. Okay, gotcha. Is it 240? Yeah. Like I said, did I remember uh, they that correct? They did not uh, post a suggested MSRP, and then on their website, they do explicitly state that it is ex- excluded from 15 states. Yeah, 15 <laughs> illegal in 15 states. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna grab my bottle. Let's see. Give me a second. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's it, it's. Yeah, that's the thing that uh, I still have PTSD oh. from the last time it was released with every I've got email alerts about beer news and every day the, the alerts were just uh, uh, post after post after post saying illegal in 15 states. Uh, I'm like, guys, stop this. Stop it. But uh, yeah. people can't resist that that really basic clickbaity BS stuff. So you got your bottle there, Tim. How I got my it? empty bottle for those that are watching us here on live stream. You can. uh you can see the Utopius bottle somewhat. My camera doesn't want to. I'm trying, but it's just not wanting to make the focus. There we go. I think I got it there, but it's got these little sliding copper panels, panels a little image. But that's the Utopius bottle. It is empty. The aroma is still there. It's dusty from setting on the on the shelf for too long. But you know that's uh, it's good. It's good. It occurred to me what that shaped after. That's a copper still. It's a copper right. still. Yeah. Like I never really thought still. about that. Yeah. yeah. Until just now when you held it up, I'm like, oh, yeah, that looks like uh, pictures of uh, big copper stills I've seen. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know why I never thought of that, but there we go. Live and learn, you know. Mine's even older than I thought. Mine is a 2015 edition. So mine was oh, really? 2015. Or my serial number is 10699 on that. Okay. So, but that was, the, yes. Um, to wrap up the utopious portion of the show, if you have the means and you find a bottle, it's worth getting at least once uh, to check out. I've got a buddy who gets it every time it's released. He's got several years worth. If you're able to do that, rock on. But yeah, it's definitely worth trying to get a hand on, uh, you know, one time to, to check out. Pretty good stuff. But Agreed. another one, Brian, that if I remember correctly, and I, I frequently do not, but we had uh, Jeremy Kosmicki from founders on the show maybe three or four years ago. And of course we talked about Canadian breakfast stout, you know, the, yes. the maple version of, of, of KBS, a big hype beer. We've shared the story before that KBS was actually the beer that drove Brian and I into home brewing because we were truck chasing to get one bottle. And we're like, this is ridiculous. We're just going to learn to make our own beer like Bender. We'll make our own beer with blackjack and maybe even hookers, you know, yeah, depending, on, exactly. depending on how it goes. But uh cbs they've they've teased or i guess straight up said on social media now that it's coming back right brian yeah it's uh they've been teasing it for a while and they sent out an early uh preview to people who are in the i forget what they call it but the insiders group where basically you sign up and you can get early access to things like that but it's already been it's already been released on a few places that leaked it early so yeah founder cbs is coming back and uh yeah it's I, I think it's this is the second time it's come back since Cosmicky told us in person he's never going one, to brew it again. Brew it, right. So I and I, I think every time it leaves, it's like, well, this is it. This is the last time. And I'm like, eh, it came back. So uh, I I will. 
I think I will probably get some when I when I see it, just because it's yeah, it, it's yeah. been such a uh, yeah. This 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 beer meant a lot to me, you know, back in the day. It was a very important beer to me to to uh, get my hands on every year. It was very rare. Uh, it was very you know, it was kind of one of its kind at one point in time. And I know uh, we were we were doing uh, Christmas dinner. You were you and I were both there. And we just left to like partway through Christmas dinner because they were yeah. tapping. Uh, CBS one keg of it at uh, the the brick the store beer bar. Yeah, oh, was it the port? It was the port beer bar. Yeah, that's right. Christmas Day, like five p.m. Christmas evening, they opened for a CBS tapping. And we had a bunch of friends over, and uh, they were like, yeah. "Are you guys really leaving on Christmas Day?" The heck, yeah, we are. It's yeah, we CBS. Are. So, like, what are you talking about? But once we got to the bar, all of our friends were there because they're yes. the nerds like we are there for the beer for the keg tapping. Uh, that was that was one of the fun parts about it. You could be assured that everybody you knew would be there. I'm like, they yeah. got the same the same news that you did, and they loved the beer the same way you did. So, right, yeah, you went from one party of people you knew that you invited to your house or whatever to another party where you knew everybody else you knew in the world was going to show up there too. So, yeah, it was a it was very much a a social event too, on top of being a very good beer. So, CBS, a bomber bottle of CBS is the most expensive bottle of beer I have ever personally personally purchased. And I paid $150 oh for a gosh. bottle of it. But there's more to the story. This was the early days of Beer Guys Radio. It was me, Aaron, and, and Smalls. And we'd recorded the show, I think, with the guys at the brick store. And it was on their seller menu. It was $150, but $100 of that went to a charity. Okay. So, uh, and this was when it was very, it was hard to get. You couldn't get it. So they knew they can add a premium to it and someone would buy it. And that someone was us. So we're, we're like, Hey guys, you guys want to splurge and get us a nice bottle? We're like, sure. So we went thirdsies on it. So I paid $50 for eight ounces. Oh, I get $50 for an eight ounce pour, basically <laughs> a seven ounce pour of CBS. Fantastic. So yeah. worth it. So yep. good. So good. What is, Nate, what's your white well right now? Is there a beer that you just want and haven't been able to get your hands on? You know, I really enjoy the Bourbon County series from Goose Island. And every year they announce it's some special cask finish. I think last year they had a, a Weller Red Label, which is the 107 proof. That's okay. my that's one of my favorite bourbons of all time. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to get my hands on it and I just couldn't. Um, so really for me, it's more of just those beers that I know they exist, unfortunately, and I know can't I can't get, get them. them. Yep. Some of that due to our ABV laws here in Georgia. Precisely. So, yeah. Brian, how about you? Boy, uh, you know, a white whale of a beer right now. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I have one. Okay. Uh, some of the... I want to say that there was some variants of, of like a Black Tuesday that I've not had. There's a few... Mm-hmm brewery like large format and i think i've acquired the bottles but have not opened any of them so i have a few that are on the border of being a white whale but i don't know that i do white whales anymore i don't i don't know that i have anything like that i mean yeah there's always like a zwanzi day type of beer that's like it's high on my list of things i would go out of my way to get but i I don't I, i won't scour the internet and trade you know throw money at strangers to try to get a bottle of it It, it's i'm I'm not that dedicated anymore i I, i'm too lazy and there's too much good beer do you do you have any tim that you would go about i think a couple of mine were um and i I remembered i was mistaken i said not long ago that uh a friend of ours had brought a bottle of cable car uh oh yeah uh lost abbey that's not Mm. true he brought a bottle of duck duck goose so Duck Duck Goose was one of my white whales, and I did get a chance to try that. To be quite honest, Brian, we've been fortunate. We've got some generous friends that over the years at Bottle Shares, we've got into most of the things. In, in all honesty, I think the stuff that I'd like to get my hands on now are ones that are well out of, of my range. For those that don't know, there's definitely a uber premium beer market for vintage bottles of Goose and stuff like that. And, you know, there is... a uh, there's about eight thousand, thirteen thousand dollar bottles of beer out there that you know I'd love to get my hands on some of those 
30 or 40 old cantillons and stuff like that. I think it would be cool to try something like that just for the experience of it. Or maybe one of those 1840 shipwreck beers. I'd love to try one of those to see what was up with them. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just stuff being made out there. It's it's to the point, Brian, that there's so much good beer here locally, either being made by our brewers or being distributed here that it's not like it was a decade ago to where you really did have to you know search stuff out where we would you know like zombie dust from three floyds that was such a treat to get that here now we can go up to chattanooga and bring home cases of it you know yeah or, or what there. so easily um just due to the availability in that and generous friends we've tried a lot of stuff so i don't think there's a lot nate i'm probably with you i wouldn't mind trying to get some of these beers that are just the special releases i can't I yeah. would like some more side project stuff. I haven't had much from them, so I'd like to try more of their their stuff. Uh, oh. Yeah, oh, yeah. The the proprietors from uh, Pro- we had it one yeah. time at a, a beer tasting. It was good. Uh, man, that's been seven years ago that we had that. But yeah, every every year they come out with one of those. Yeah, it'd be neat to have one of those bottles. And I did go down the one time King Henry. It was a King Henry. I've got yeah. the empty somewhere on the shelf. That that was uh, I got well, like the last bottle that they had at the porter. <laughs> yeah, and the I, bar, I, sat- to, I remember because I was working. You're like, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm like, I can't make it down. You're like, well, then I'm going to sit out here on the patio and drink it myself. Then so. I think I went down there and I drank it myself. I think it was at the bar because that was the uh, the porter. And uh, I offered I actually offered a pour to a couple other people. I think I did get end up giving somebody else a pour of it. But I I sat there and drank the whole thing. I think that was an expensive bottle because I also parked badly and got a parking ticket when I did that. Okay. But totally worth All it. All right. Good <laughs> stuff, think, man. I think that Good happened. Stuff. I think I got a parking ticket too. So I don't care. Wow. I'm happy I did it. It's uh it's a good story. So yeah, I've yeah. my days of doing that kind of thing are probably over. Just because we've got so much good stuff, you don't have to. You do don't that have to anymore. do that as yeah. much anymore. Yeah. I, I'm I don't know anything off the top of my head right now that would make me you know, just put everything down and go chase. I mean, the brewery just released, you know, earlier this week, they released uh, Black Tuesday, or I guess last week now. Yeah. And it used to be that I got online and dealt with the sites crashing and all that to get it. And I don't think I've ordered it in two or three years. Brian, did you order some? I'm I'm betting you did. I got that, that, uh, that whole pack that had a Black Tuesday in it and a special version of Black Tuesday, plus a few other things that okay. I've yet to get, get through. I love no, those no. Beers. I'm talking about the latest. You wouldn't have had it delivered oh. yet if you got this, the one from this week. So this was this would have been the previous one. It was part of like a whole. You could sign up for a membership and get yeah. a whole pack of a whole lot of things. So it was. I I, I guess it wasn't a, a pre-release of this one. It was maybe what was left over from the previous year. But so no, I have not gotten this. Okay, one. Uh, all right, yeah, yeah. And, and the problem with getting this, and I, I, it's fun to have them. It's fun to open them, but. If we're not in the studio, we can't crack it open and share it with amongst three peoples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's tough for even me to get through a bottle of that by myself. Yeah. It's it's possible, but I'm not doing much of anything else. So you know what? I just remembered that we can get it shipped to Georgia now. So now I'm tempted because part of the challenge used to be we had to get a mule for us in Southern California to yeah. go get it. So Brian, we'll talk after the show. Maybe we'll maybe we'll work out getting a little pack there with your uh with your membership that you got with them there. So yeah, I, I think I probably can get right. something squirreled away with that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Brian, moving right along. Beer festivals. You got some hot takes on beer fest. What is up with beer festivals? Yeah. So there was a, a bit of a, a debate amongst a couple of different people online, amongst the people who like to talk about beer, the beer Twitter people. And uh, some of them are on Twitter and some of them aren't anymore. But uh, yeah, they were saying, are beer festivals worth it or are they a waste of time and money? And so there were a, a bunch of pros and cons. There was a there was an argument against saying they're a waste of money. And there was an argument for saying, hey, there's a lot of opportunity here to enjoy yourself. Like, you know, the, on the con side, like the, the one perspective is, oh, you're surrounded by a bunch of drunks. You know, like it's this is just uh, it, it's a an S show, a feces show, so to speak. OK. All right. And on the yeah, other yeah. side, it is. Uh, the other person's perspective was I go to these festivals and I'm surrounded. I'm with friends and I'm surrounded by like-minded people. And I've never been to one where it, it, it became a real problem because people were intoxicated. Like I've always had a good time where people did people drink too much possibly, but it didn't ruin their good time. Uh, there's, there's also the, the idea. And I think a lot of this boils down to what quality of a festival you go to. 
So you've got one where there are poor options. Like it's, it's the options you could get at any grocery store, or any package store, right. nothing special. But at the same time, the, uh, on the other side, if you go to the right ones, you will get something that's appealing to the masses, but you usually will also get something more special for people who are more interested in something different. So you've got a wider range covered. Um, and then there's the argument that they're too expensive. And I can kind of see this because they're like 75 plus these days for a lot of these things. And uh, the, the argument is, is you could grab a couple of four packs of, uh, you know, so, uh, dippas and go over to a friend's place and have a really good time and get the same level of enjoyment out of it, or maybe more and not have to deal with all of the, all of that. It, but that, that it removes all of the, the fun exploration and the, the possibility of trying new things. You've got the, You've got the other, uh, the, th- the thought that there are so many things to choose from. So you have so many options, a lot of uh, fun exploration. But on the opposite side, you've also got, well, you won't remember half of them because there are too many options. You drink too many of them. So it's, it's interesting. It was an interesting debate. And uh, they're leaving it open to people to decide which side do you come down on. So which side would you guys come so down on, is, Tim? This may surprise you, but I have opinions here. So before <laughs> oh, you really? know what? So we got Amanda, a friend Amanda. She said she loves beer festivals. She said, I love to have a variety of beers. And she says, I honestly haven't dealt with a lot of drunken crazy. Well, that is Amanda's take on it. Beer Fest. Brian, my opinion on beer fests have changed over the years. And there's different styles, calibers, whatever you may want to call them, of beer fest. And here in Atlanta, we have an organization called Atlanta Beer Festivals. And they put on your what I would call your basic beer fest. They usually have a theme, summer, winter, whatever. But these are going to be uh, all of the ones out there, you know, that uh, your basic beers. It's going to be your basic breweries that you see. You're probably not going to find the super limited stuff, but they have a mass appeal. You know, a lot of people that aren't necessarily beer nerds like beer and want to go out and have a good time. I also will say that those type of beer festivals, you're much more likely to have the type of person that's going to bounce booth to booth and get absolutely hammered and stumbling around. Um, I prefer now a little more curated type of event. You have a uh, wrecking bar brew pub here, host a wild beer fest. They host a strong beer festival. Brian, you and I have a tradition of going to strong beer fest, spending hours drinking 10% ABV and higher beers. And then after that, going to the bar and seeing what the most, elite whiskey they have is and finishing the day with that so um responsibly responsibly (laughs) and those types of events you do get you're going to get one or two that go too far and may get a little stupid it does happen you're going to get a lot of people that have enough to where they're pretty chilled out and everybody's just having a good time maybe you're a little tipsy but you're just having a good time and uh you know all in all man i think this i think the type of beer fest that appeals to me and probably people in general has changed and they do want a little more curated experience. Uh, we have like the Good Word Festivals that they run. We have Little Beer Fest, you know, where these are low ABV beers. That's a great one to go and not deal with drunks, you know? Yes. So it's a good time. And here we got another take on here from Josh. Let's see. Josh says, so I've been to a beer fest or two, and they seemed more tame than the whiskey festival I was at. Atlanta Magazine whiskey event turned into a fun, giant party. But by the end, it was less about the whiskey and more about the party. So, you know, there you go. I've been to those whiskey events as well. And you know what, Josh, a great point. A curated event, again, is a good thing. McAllen comes through Atlanta and they do an event called Raise the McAllen, where you're only drinking maybe four or five different variations of the McAllen. But it's uh, there's a presentation. It's paced out. You're trying these. You get hors d'oeuvres and stuff. Um, Brian, you remember Nui Belge, correct? I do, yes. Nate, do you remember Nui Belge? Or right, you that? mentioned it, but I've never been to it. Okay, so it the festival still exists, and it used to go to a few different cities, but Atlanta was one, but unfortunately, we're no longer on their list. Uh, but it was usually done in the evening, like a, a dinner time event, and a lot of the people were like suit and tie. It was like an upscale beer event. But they took a very nice beer, whether that was something from Allagash or a Blackberry Farm Saison or something like that, and paired it with a local restaurant, and you'd have like Iberian pig was carving Hamona Birico there one year. They had an oyster bar. That was phenomenal. I love that level of a beer fest, but, uh, you know, kind of crazy stuff there, man. But yeah, you know, beer fest, more tame fun with like-minded folks. That's Josh's take on it. 
have to say that's it, man. Go out, have a good time. It's a social event for me. I, I, I hate to admit this. It sounds like sacrilege from a beer guy, but I've been to beer fest where I only have one or two beers because we're doing the show and socializing the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I miss out on getting around to all of the booths there. And, you know, fortunately, we do also have where people will just say, like, hey, man, have you tried this beer? And bring them to us, but it's a big social event for me. So I've I've definitely had a few events where I just I went from one person to another talking, and I I, I started to realize at one point I'm thirsty. I I, I haven't had any had, beer. The beer the beer, beer that I did pick up is gone now, and I I can yeah. use another one. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. That's Name? that's our our responsible drinking level is managed yeah. by people talking to us a little bit. So that's it. It, it helps us. Nate, what's your take on beer fests? So my take's very similar to your take, Tim. You know I. Went to a couple of beer fests back in the day and they were kind of a slog. You know, you got to see a lot of people just going and partaking. But nowadays, the things that the festivals that I go to that I really enjoy have been the more curated niche ones that are either just like Belgians or just like the little beer fest where it's just low ABV stuff. Those have been the ones that I've had more fun and even enjoyed more. I was reviewing the article or at least the debate and they were saying how... You know, after 20 minutes of tasting, your palate's washed out. And so I like something that's more curated because my palate's not, you know, being stretched thin and going across a lot of different categories. Um, but I also just enjoy something that's a little bit more targeted. Eat a cracker. Have a few, have a few, yeah. you know, unsalted walnuts. You'll clean your palate out there. You be, you can do it. We believe in you. So you don't have to wreck your palate there. So have a good time with it. Brian, I see here you got some Negroni talk, man. What in the heck's going on with Negronis? Uh, this was just something random I did this week that I, I, I liked. I found a recipe for a coffee Negroni, and I know Negronis were really hot, and I think their, their minute has passed, but I just want to say, hang on a moment. Like we're, we're getting into colder months. Coffee tastes better and better all the time. It's always good. But uh, So I made this thing, and I really liked it, and I thought I would share it with people who are listening who might be interested in coffee and uh it mixed drinks and uh so this is it so, uh, the coffee negroni i adapted it from a a uh, coffee negroni i found online called mr black's coffee negroni i just used the stuff that i had so it's two-thirds of an ounce of Kahlua, two-thirds of an ounce of a dry gin i use nolets because i'm a big fan of that a third of an ounce of campari and a uh, uh, sorry a quarter of an ounce of campari and a quarter of an ounce of sweet vermouth i use the rosso vermouth and uh you know, I know that a Negroni, the nice thing about it is it's like equal parts of all the ingredients. This wasn't isn't quite that way. But I got to tell you, this combination of stuff together is great. You, you stir it, you strain it, you can put it on ice or you can just drink it uh, out of a chilled glass like I did. And it's that's a beautiful drink. So if you're looking for a cocktail for these colder months, I recommend that. Yeah. The Negroni is a trash cocktail. You <laughs> ignore what Brian's saying. It is literal. You garbage. would like this. It doesn't I'd do, have. I'd still try it. Doesn't it, have I that think, big bitterness. Yeah, I think the Kahlua does a lot to sweeten it up and to mitigate some of the bitterness. I did like, I do like the bitterness, and my Negronis tend to be on the bitter side. Uh, I did like the bitterness of those, but I enjoyed this. It really, it balanced really nicely. And you'll notice the Kahlua is much higher, uh, the much higher amount of that than the Campari. So that that tells you a lot about how this is going to taste. So. I might try it and I just increase the Kahlua a little bit and then leave out the gin, Campari, and sweet vermouth. I'd probably <laughs> like that. So. That would also be good. Just add add yeah. vodka to it, and then you've got a no, black Russian. I do have a serious question here. The Nolich gin is a pretty floral-forward gin. Did that work well in this cocktail? Would you change your gin if you did it again? Uh, pro- uh, you know, I might consider one that, that had... Le- I you know what because there's a little bit of a floral quality I think to the Campari I, I think it was actually pretty nice I th- okay. I don't think it hurt anything and uh, add a little more aromatics to it so I don't think it hurt anything I would consider trying without it but I think I probably I probably would just prefer this gin just because I like this gin I, I like, like the, the aromatics nice. so I'm I'm no mixologist it's just uh, I uh, this combination really worked for me and I'm like well you know what we're coming up on a show I just did this I'm like. Yeah, let's share this. Let's see All what right. people think about All it. Right. So if you make it, let me know what you think. If you change it, let me know what you would change. Uh, I'm interested because I am dabbling with some of this stuff just for fun because, hey, you know. Yeah, you can. Because your wife's out of town, so you're making cocktails and eating tinned fish. I am. I'm doing all these things. I'm living it up right now. So yes. yeah, good help stuff, me help man. me live it up by giving me recommendations. Do it. Let him know. Let him know. Hit us up on social media. Brian's always monitoring our Twitter. 
you tell him anything on Twitter, he'll definitely see it. We're on Instagram and stuff as well. So, all right, guys, let's move on to the beers of the week. I'm going to get a little crazy this week. I'll do our intro and our sponsor shout, but I'll let everybody talk about the beers they're drinking and say a little bit there. So we want to thank our friends at the nest as always for sponsoring the beers of the week segment of beer guys radio. Y'all the holidays are coming up. You, they can do your holiday party for you. They can even cook your Thanksgiving dinner for you and have it ready. You take it, you bake it, you're ready to go. Easy peasy stuff. You want to hang out there? You know what? Order Thanksgiving dinner to go. Go up there, grab you some lunch, chill out, have a good time, take your stuff to go, double down. Double down at the nest. That's the theme for the nest. Kennesaw, Georgia, definitely go check them out. So uh, this week, right now, I'm drinking one. We want to thank our friends at Highland Brewing. Each year, they send us a really nice care package when Cold Mountain comes out. And we've got the the basic Cold Mountain here, the general Cold Mountain, which is a release we always look forward to. So um, I was smart when they said where to ship this. I had them ship it to me because I'm <laughs> smart like that. So I get to get into this before I have to share it with everybody else. So I'm having a cold mountain, which is a spiced winter ale. They also sent us a chocolate hazelnut variant and a coconut variant of cold mountain. So we'll look forward to getting into those. Uh, I'm sipping this one uh, right now. If I have more time, I do have. A little anchor steam, which I better drink while I can. Kind of the last, uh, the last of a of a dying breed there. So I may get yes. into that when I finish this. But uh, Nate, what are you sipping on this week? Uh, so I started the night with a local legend, Halfway Crooks. Uh, this is a brewery that we all really enjoy, and I actually was had dinner there last night before going to a concert. Uh, this beer is the Export, which is a Belgian Belgian style export lager, really crisp, really easy drinking. Right now on my glass from Blackstack Brewing, I've got their 100-year Jubilee, which is a triple dry-hopped double IPA. I really like it. It's really tasty. I didn't know anything about Blackstack. It was just the last one sitting on the shelf at my local beer store, and I thought I'd help them out by buying it, and glad I did because it's something I'm actually enjoying. TDHD IPA is what yes, you sir. got there, right? Good stuff. Brian, what's, uh, what's on the menu for you tonight? So I pre-gamed with a celebration. Uh, Sierra Nevada celebration. You got to do that. I figured it was appropriate considering I got a you got a twelve pack of them. So I've been drinking those with reckless abandon. I am drinking currently a forefathers uh, the gadget milkshake, which is a milkshake dipper with lactose, uh, uh, vanilla, and mango. It was I'm I'm part of a, a a thing that sends me random beers. I got signed up by my sister and I never cancel it just because it's kind of interesting. And uh, so this is. This is what you would expect from a milkshake. It's 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 tropical. It's it's fruity. It's like a milkshake. It's I think it might be a little on the older side based on what I'm tasting. There might be a little oxidation in there, uh, but uh, so far so good. Uh, I'm gonna need a pill for this, but uh, <laughs> given the lactose, yeah, but uh, the and, lactose. yeah. When pill. when I when I uh, finish that, I am going to go on to Voodoo Brewing's Grindin which is a Imperial coffee stout at 9%. So fortunately that's a little uh, 12 ounce can, not a 16 ounce can like the, uh, the milkshake is, but uh, that's what I am getting into. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff, Brian. You know, Brian, if you're out there, holiday shopping's coming up, it's going to happen. Whether we like it or not, I like to do online shopping. Uh, I I'm lazy with the holidays. Now I don't get into the madness. Like I used to going out for black Friday deals and all that. They do that online, but you want to get out and do some shopping. You want to get out and go around. You're going to need a drink, Brian. You're going to need a drink. So, so if you find yourself out and about, swing by the Battery Atlanta. Go check out Terrapin Brewery Atlanta. There's sure to be something on there. Escape from the madness. Get you a drink. Have yourself some with the new on tap. Get you some barbecue barbecue to go with it, and just have a good time. They'll be through there, uh, there throughout the holidays. I'm really messing this one up right now, (laughs) but we'll get through this. But they're going to be there for you uh, to have a good time. Again, Braves didn't make it through to the World Series this year, uh, but Terrapin is still there pouring new and interesting beers. So definitely go check them out. Indeed. And uh, with spooky season safely behind us, which I know everybody's been worried about that, all the costumes and all the scariness has gone away. We are now in November. Uh, I've got festive end of the year beers on my mind. And the first place I look to see what's flowing from the taps these days is obviously Truck and Tap at truckandtap.com. That's where I go. 
And so with the fast approaching holidays we got coming up and the cold weather, I, I'm thinking about a lot of different appropriate picks for that. And I went through all of the different lists and I have one for each location. So starting with Woodstock, I think this one's a tough pick because part of me wants to go with Bold, Bold Monk's Fest beer because I'm not done October festing, even though we're well past October at this point, or at least a few days past it. Actually, it was it ended at the beginning of October, so I'm just deluding myself at this point. But I'm instead going to go with Allagash's Gatherwell, an Imperial Stout aged five months on bourbon barrels because you can't go wrong with Allagash or a bourbon barrel aged stout. That It's always a winner. But I won't I won't judge you if you go Bold Monk's Fest beer. I won't judge you. Duluth, the, the, that location's easy. I have to go with Steady Hand's Sweet Potato Farmhouse Ale because Sweet Potatoes scream Thanksgiving to me. So, And I like a farmhouse ale. So that was easy. On to Alpharetta, where Monday night's tie 12 on is, is still pouring. It is an anniversary beer blend of 12 different bourbon barrel-aged stouts. It's an easy pick. It's a celebration beer, and we're coming up on a period of celebration. So you drink the celebration beer, and it doesn't hurt that it's it's an amazing blend of, of big barrel-aged beers. And uh, and finally, we have Lawrenceville, where I'm going with Creature Comfort's Reclaimed Rye, a seasonal ale with notes of caramel, rye spice, and oak. Because not all of my uh, picks can be big barrel-aged stouts. We have to have some good drinkable beers that are appropriate for the season. So, And this is a good one. It's seasonally appropriate. The caramel, the rye spice, it's going to be great. But if you'd like to check and see what's happening at Truck and Tap when you're going, whether it's today or another day, you go to truckandtap.com and you'll uh, all will be revealed to you. So truckandtap.com. Go Everything there, you out. need in life will be there. All of it. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brian, moving on to our next story here. I read this. You and I chatted about this a little bit last night or the night before. And I'm wondering if this is a little bit of scare tactic. Like sometimes I think that they can release news that is technically accurate, but the headline is is scare tactic. But basically what they said is study finds now non-alcoholic beer more susceptible to bacterial growth. And I believe the way they they had put it in the different headlines that we saw was that it was a breeding ground for bacteria. So yes. break this down for us, Brian. What in the world is going on here? And you know what? Before we move along, I want to say here, we got a shout out from Josh for Truck and Tap Alpharetta. He said they also have a great bourbon and whiskey selection. So, you know what? I forget to mention that they got that spirits, too. they got whiskeys, they got bourbons. Yeah, it's great. But back to the uh, the non-alcoholic uh, and, and uh, bacterial growth story. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. So they were comparing non-alcoholic beer to uh, lower alcohol beers, like your three percenters, three and a half percenters, like lower on the enough to you couldn't call it non-alcoholic beer, but not what you would normally think of if even as a light beer. Uh, so this the the study took a look at storage temperatures, pH, ethanol concentrations, and and uh, and they used that to to test a bunch of common bacterial compounds. They had five different strains of different bugs that they inoculated both of these beers with the uh, the non-alcoholic and the regular one and it, it covered e coli salmonella and listeria and they found that the low alcohol beers prevented pathogen growth but non-alcoholic beers allowed it to proceed and uh it still said that there are some uh risk factors to lower alcohol beers the uh, at warmer storage temperatures even the low alcohol beers can grow these pathogens potentially uh, some of them will will decline. Some of them will hold steady, and a few of them will grow. But uh, at the end of 63 days, which was the the duration of the study, that's a 3.2 percent ABV stored at 57 degrees Fahrenheit will still have some E. coli and salmonella in it. Uh, if there was any present at the beginning, so if it was inoculated or if you were infected by your canning unit or whatever, yeah, it's it's possible if you didn't cold store it, it there will still be some left, and you could make people sick. Um, uh, the, the same beer stored at, stored at colder temperatures would see uh, considerable declines and perhaps the elimination of some of these compounds. So it, it is a little bit about the alcohol. It's a little bit about the storage ability. It's even a little bit about, and you were making this point, Tim, the uh, the hop oils as a preservative, that, that figures into it. They didn't disclose exactly which beers they were using for this, so I can't I can't speak to the actual hop level, but... It did see that they they did seem to isolate the actual alcohol percentage as being a big driving factor as to whether or not a, a 
a, a bacteria can survive and thrive in the beer. So th- you have to keep in mind, though, this 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 doesn't assume that the, the thing was pasteurized. So if mm-hmm. it's been pasteurized after it was sealed, you're probably in the clear because you've got an but, isolated environment. But here's the thing. They did say that they inoculated these beers. Yes. So they added the bacteria. And mm-hmm. I don't know about all non-alcoholic beer makers, but I would think that the majority are probably pasteurizing their beer because of the lack of alcohol content there. You know, again, the hop oils do offer some protection uh, in in alcoholic beers. Of course, the alcohol offers protection. Uh, I did check specifically on athletic brewing and they do to they call it tunnel pasteurization of their beers. So these beers are sealed and pasteurized. There's no pathogens in those beers. And very important for the study that they inoculated these beers with these bacteria to see if they would grow. Because I think the way the headlines looked on a lot of this and the way the snippets of different articles looked, it made it sound like you're going to buy your non-alcoholic beer off the shelf and it's going to have E. coli in it. So, you know, it's important that they to note that they did inoculate these to see if it would allow the growth if it's there. So I guess it's good to know that if you have a 15% barley wine, you can throw you some E. coli in there and you're still fine. You know, that's nice to know. Yeah. Uh, but I mean... <laughs> Interesting information and probably the full report probably presented it as such that this is what we did. But the news articles that summarize it, of course, the headlines are out there. Uh, I think the exact thing is, yeah, non-alcoholic beer is a breeding ground for bacteria. That's what they threw out there for you. You know, yeah, and, and it really is a, a, a fear tactic, a scare tactic, mm-hmm. which doesn't meant the doesn't mention the full impact and full uh methodology of the study there so yeah so you're safe probably drinking your na beers it's but like i said i checked athletic they're friends of the show we've known them almost since they launched and they definitely do pasteurize out there uh would have to look up some of the others to verify but i imagine i imagine especially with the more reputable brands that that's pretty common practice so not so much in alcoholic beers you know that that fresh non-pasteurized that's a you know, a point of quality that a lot of people use for selling them. But I just don't think that that is the case in these NA beers. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think that the one thing, so I think they, they specifically are, are looking at what if, if you didn't pasteurize and if it, at any point in di- different stages in the, uh, the process, it was infected, this could lead to a problem. Or if, the, if there is a seal failure in the, the, the beer vessel itself, like if you open a, a non-alcoholic beer and it's flat, you might consider dumping that out because that means something could have gotten in there. If if the gas was able to get out, something could have gotten in. Yeah, stuff could be growing in there. So it mm-hmm. is a fair you know, point, but I think that I think that this is well well overblown and kind of it, it, you kind of if it bleeds it leads type of thing. You know, scare people. Yeah, sure. Story. So I think that's you don't have a lot to worry about here, honestly. You know, an important note on foodborne pathogens and bacteria and that, uh, a couple things, you know, they talk a lot about something you see on the beer forums a lot is, I've got this beer that I found that's 10 years old. Is it safe to drink? For the most part, the answer is probably going to be yes. You know, it's sealed. It's got alcohol. It's got the hop compounds in there. It's in a sealed environment. Is it going to taste great? Probably not. Maybe not. Um, but it should be should be safe if it was if it was sealed in that if there was something in there uh, a bacteria that would probably make it not safe there's a good chance you would have you know blown the bottle up or would have been something there but important to note there are bacteria in in foodstuffs that will produce no off odor or no apparent looks that can be toxic when consumed on the flip side of that, there are some that are completely safe to consume and are going to produce barnyard, horse blanket, all of that stuff, you know. So uh, that's not a tried, that's not a 100% ironclad thing. But like, uh, Brian, you and I have talked about our 10 seafoods here a lot lately. And what many people may not know is that there is such a thing as vintage sardines, you know, that they say that like up to five years that the, the flavors can develop, the oils can be absorbed in there more, and, and you can have vintage sardines. 
And the thing there, if you ever bust the seal on the can, these things are cooked in the can, pasteurized and sealed. If the seal is never busted, technically speaking, a tin of sardines should be perfectly safe if you found one 100 years from now. You know, it should be safe. But if you bust it to where it's exposed to the environment, even a little bit of a leak there, toss it. You know, don't touch it. But for sure, you know, we do stuff like we drink lambic and goose. We eat blue cheese. You know, there's a lot of different ways that we take kimchi, you know, all of that stuff where we're bringing in different, uh, you know, bacteria and stuff that have good results and can produce odor, flavor and all that, but are fine for us to eat. Where the flip side is also true. There can be things in there that will make you very, very sick, but you'll never know it. So, which is why you shouldn't leave your pizza out from Saturday and eat it for lunch on Sunday. So you probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Bad idea. But, Brian, moving on to more scare tactics. So one guy at a Tsing Tao brewery over in China pees in a vat in a tank full of uh, grain, and they're all getting all uppity about it, saying, oh, my gosh, he peed on the grain. Well, Brian, that grain <laughs> still has to be ground and mashed and boiled. That pee's not going to affect you at all. It's totally safe. It should be totally fine. Not a big deal that he stood in a huge silo of grain and peed in there. That's totally <laughs> fine. So blown out of proportion. I mean, just because they have a video of the factory employee making his rounds and then scaling a wall and relieving himself <laughs> into a batch of grain scare tactics, Brian, climbing up on the mall and peeing. Nothing to worry about there. Several steps to this process after he pees on the grain that will make that. And you think one man's urine in a huge batch of a big corporate big beer like that, it's going to be so diluted. It'll be boiled. You're fine. You're nothing to worry about there. Has he been doing it for a long time? Is this bit of buildup of uh, over Could over be, time? Man. Like if he's done it Could once, be. has he done it more than once? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's possible. You know, it would. I think it would take a lot of pee because they're probably, you know, we're probably talking 100 barrel batches or something like that. I, sure. I don't know, but I bet these are huge batches and giant grain silo. Yeah. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. yeah. So, but that's the brewery has been in touch with the police and they said at present, the batch of malt in question has been completely sealed. They didn't say they threw it out or anything. They've just sealed it up maybe for later use. Maybe they're going to make vintage beer with it. Maybe urine gets better with age. Maybe I don't like know. kimchi or something. I don't like know. That yeah. yeah. I don't know. So, uh, but so far it has not gone into distribution. We don't know if it's a one-time incident, but you know, one man urinates on a little bit of grain and they get all uppity about it. Yeah. The, scare the whole world loses its mind. Scare yeah. tactics. Scare tactics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the thing about alcohol that we, that I like is, uh, it lowers your morals, Brian. I think it's is, is what yeah. we found out. And I think science has confirmed that. Is that right? That's right. So the, the guy that climbed the the the, the wall and, and urinated into uh, the grain bed may well have had a beer, but which the, the study that I'm looking at finds that uh, having a single beer or a single drink, it didn't specify beer, can change your morality and how you uh, you you adhere to what you consider moral. Uh, the study was published in the Journal of Psychopharmacology, and it took a le- look at the effects of people's willingness to violate moral foundations. And that's a quote uh, after they consume alcohol. Uh, and the things that they look at is it, the, the categories are care, fairness, authority, loyalty and purity. And purity is an interesting one on this one. But, uh, yeah, they discovered it took only one drink to make participants more likely to inflict harm on others or behave, quote, impurely. Than the control group, uh, but it did not seem to affect their sense of fairness, authority, or their loyalty and willingness to adhere to those those particular morals. That being said, I think this is a case again where the headline is a little misleading. The I looked at the study itself and I saw that they drank the participants that were drinking real alcohol were drinking 1.6 grams of alcohol at 40 percent strength for each one kilogram of their body weight. And if I did the math right. That'd be like me having as one drink in air quotes here, a seven ounce pour of bourbon yeah. so or something right. like that. So that's not exactly one drink, but isn't uh, one ounce of bourbon. Isn't one ounce of like a 40 percent spirit considered a drink. So you're talking. Yeah. Seven drinks. What? One point five ounce and a half. So is four, a- four and a half ish. So which is still mm-hmm. enough to start feeling your bourbon there for sure. 
So. Absolutely. And uh, the the study was interesting because they made people watch like like neutral wildlife documentaries until their their BAC got up to a point where they were apparently intoxicated. They kept mentioning intoxication. I'm like, where does this figure into one drink? What are you drinking? Well, yeah. the answer is in the study. It was the headline was a little uh, inflammatory. But uh, yeah, if you drink nearly seven or eight ounces of bourbon, yeah, you're more you're definitely going to be impaired in some way. So, yeah, the, the idea is. It, after drinking, people some morals will stay in place, but it, your your willingness to do impure things like urinating in, in, into a grain silo or uh, physically harming other people or animals grows goes up considerably uh, in in wow. like statistically significantly after you drink a certain amount of of alcohol. I guess enough to be legally intoxicated. So yeah, it's really interesting stuff there, and I don't know if this tells us anything we didn't know, but I don't think anybody had done like science of putting numbers behind it until until this point so now we know yeah brian they're talking impure that seems like something that's really open to interpretation there on on what's pure yes yes they did uh uh, they had some sort of a i don't i can't oh yeah the moral foundation sacredness scale which i'm not familiar with with, what they're they're basing all this on and specifically in the study write-up they mention things like nudity, specifically crawling around on stage nude, and the urination came up too. That was one of them, like urinating on stage. People were more willing to do that after consuming alcohol than before. Where, where are they getting oh. these, man? <laughs> I, where are they getting these? I, I don't know why anybody would this, would test that, but uh, <laughs> this sounds like it's some like Southern Baptist church, and maybe they're like, okay. Let's say that the devil came down to Georgia and he was looking for a soul to steal. How many mm, drinks okay. would it take <laughs> before you would agree to it? So we're like, what did they say? Okay, how about running around on a stage? You're like, yeah. They're like, what about running around on a stage nude? They're like, well, <laughs> they're so. like, hang on, let me have a drink. Yes. <laughs> All right. See, I'm going to have to read into this more because I didn't see this one before the show and I really got to find out. <laughs> Care, fairness, authority, loyalty, and purity. With purity being nudity, and apparently, Brian, according to you, you could be, you could be, you're, you've been drinking. Your morality could be compromised now. Oh, you could yeah. be lying to me. The, I mean, well, I, I, well, I, I know I'm, you're peeing in some grain as we speak. I, so. You don't know. You can't see me from, uh, you know, chest you down. So I, I may well yeah. be doing it the entire time. Naked on stage somewhere with your fake background. <laughs> That's so, right. Yeah. yeah. All the, yeah. This clothing that you see in the in the camera is all fake. It's, it's, part, of a, it's part of the AI. Yeah. AI is wonderful. <laughs> Completely naked and urinating. Yes. Crazy stuff, man. Crazy people are crazy out there. You know. But I mean, I think we know, man. That the alcohol loosens you up. You know, that's sure. Uh, that's the way I'll put it. It loosens you up in there. The what's the saying in Vino Veritas, Brian? Yeah. So, you know, I think that's that's it. And the more the more Vino you have, the more Veritas comes out there. So. I think it's interesting that the, that the, the people are more willing to d- engage in like violent and impure behaviors. But loyalty is like unchanged. Like if you, <sighs> I, I guess if you're Man. if you get hammered, you're at just the same level of loyalty. You're just sloppy about it. Let me tell you, back in the day, and all right, I may have been like a case study for this study back in the day, you know, (laughs) but I had my group that I ran with, you know, early 20s when uh, a bit of a hellraiser. Let me tell you, my boys would get lit up, but if anyone was calling trouble, man, they had your back. So I see where they're talking about the loyalty there. That may actually be amplified, you know, possibly. They're ready to fight. You know what? They would fight someone nude on stage at a concert for you if they had to. Would they fight while they were nude on stage? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely, absolutely would would do that. So yeah, okay. Interesting study, man. Interesting study. Guys, I think that about wraps up this episode of the show. Y'all, if you enjoy what we do here, we would absolutely love if you would support us on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash beer, guys. You're going to get each show early. We we do throw out some uh, occasional fun stuff. We'll give you a T-shirt or a hat or a glass or some crazy stuff like that. And you get in our Discord server. Where we talk about a little bit of everything. There were talks of uh, knives that look like hot dogs recently. 
Uh, we were talking about Moby Dick festivals. Uh, you know, just all kinds of stuff come up there. We'd love for you to come chat. We talk about our drinks of the day, what we're eating and having a good time. All of that can be available to you if you join us at patreon.com slash beer guy. But uh, if you just want to hang out in general, also just out there on social media, having a good time, and you can catch us as Beer Guys Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But we thank you for tuning in. We hope that you have a great week, and don't forget to drink local. Cheers. Cheers.